0: I'm Damian Johnson.
1: I'm AJ Atkinson. I'm Faramang Teray Jr. and welcome to the DPT Expedition.
0: We are current physical therapy students in Boston.
1: Discussing our real life experiences and perspectives in a real, unedited fashion. Welcome back to the DPT Expedition. I'm Faramang, one of your co-hosts, joined by my fellow co-host, AJ and Damian. What's up, fellas?
2: How's it going, man? Doing good.
1: What's up man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good as well. And I'm just excited for today. We have a special one. We have a round table talking about LGBTQ allyship and we have four amazing people on our panel today. We have Josh, we have Rachel, we have Derek and we have Sam. And we're just excited to to get to um kind of learn some more about this important issue and we just want to have a conversation with you guys. So First of all, I really appreciate you guys coming on and we're going to start first off with just a little introduction for each of you. So, Josh, since you're first on my screen, can you go first?
3: Sure thing. Um,
1: Hello, my name is Josh,
3: (laughs) the second year PT student, and I'm here to have a great time. Appreciate you, Josh. It's going to be great. Uh, Derek,
4: please. Uh, Yeah, I'm Derek. I'm also a second year PT student. Um, Happy to be here. Happy to join you guys and to... uh, hopefully shed a little bit more light on our community. Looking forward to it. Rachel, please.
5: Hi, my name is Rachel. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, theirs. Uh, I'm a third year PT student. Uh, yeah, excited to talk to y'all.
1: Appreciate you, Rachel. And last but not least, Sam.
6: Yeah, hi, I'm Sam. Cis, female, she, her, hers. And I'm also a second year with everyone else. I'm excited to be here too.
1: Appreciate you all coming on again. And so just to open it up, um, our first question is, what do patients and coworkers who are part of the LGBTQ community need from their allies? Because it seems like allyship is something that's needed, but some people just don't know how to be an ally. So do you guys, can you guys kind of address that question? And we'll start with, we'll start with Sam first.
6: Yeah, I think a lot of what we need is especially like a safe space where we know we're kind of welcomed and we know we're going to get the services that we need Um, because I know especially these days businesses can just deny us for our identification for our gayness and for our um, kind of gender identification so I think a lot of it is just providing that safe space and being a PT I know I'm going to provide that safe space for everyone too even though I hate white supremacists. I don't like bigots. None of us do. Um, it is still within my, um, scope of practice to still treat them because I would want someone who is white supremacist as a PT to treat me too, or who is, you know, someone who's anti-gay to still treat me as well. Um, so I think it just goes back and forth where, Even though I don't have the same opinion as someone, I'm still gonna give them every right of services because I would expect that in return.
1: Such a a simple, simple thing, but something that's so hard for people to do. Um, I appreciate that answer. Um, Rachel?
5: Yeah, uh, definitely everything that Sam said. Um, I think part of creating that safe space, you know, to create like an actively inclusive space is just respect and understanding. I think that's super needed um, for everybody, you know? Um, but I think it's it's definitely not a given that we are afforded the same respect as um, cis straight people. Um, so being very active in learning how to be respectful for people, you know, learning people's pronouns, learning how they like to be addressed, um, and then, you know, standing up for them, if, you know, being an active ally. So if your clinic, doesn't have inclusive policies, like being that vocal voice or being like, hey, we need to update this. We need to make sure that this is a safe space for um, our LGBTQ plus colleagues and patients.
1: We're going to dive into more of what you talked about, but we'll save that for later. Um Josh, please. Um,
3: When I first read this question, <laughs> I was, uh, at first thought, I was like, I don't know why my instant reaction was like, why, why do, um, why do I need anything from my allies? Like That's just from my personal like, background. Like I always thought like, every time someone asks a question like this, I'm always thinking like, then why are you always thinking that I'm like less than? I know that's an extreme, but then I always get asked like, oh, what can we do to make you feel better? What can we do to help you provide like a better workspace? But then for someone that really was privileged enough, I guess, to have not um, encountered problems like this in workplaces, I guess I was just like I don't like this question. But then now thinking about it more, so I was like, oh, um, I guess more uh, standing up what Rachel said because like just the small comments in workplaces. I know I've been in like PT clinics about when patients would just like say small comments that to most people would not like they wouldn't bat an eye to it. But then it's it's one of those small things that keeps adding on. Like if you let that one go, then more will keep happening. So I think what allies need to understand is that even small things like that need to be addressed um if the person um, in our community is not within that conversation perhaps like you need to stand up for that
1: how do you like know like because to someone maybe maybe to someone that might not appear that big a deal like how do you know when to step in and be like hey that was not appropriate." how do you know when to like nip in the bud immediately versus maybe this is not one to try and attack right now. And Let me like kind of ignore it. If you
3: felt uncomfortable hearing it just slightly, that's already an alarm for me. <laughs> like even if you questioned it in your mind, like, hey, should I? Yes, you should.
1: Uh-huh. That, that, that,
4: that helps a lot, that helps a lot. Um, and Derek. Uh, yeah, I'm very similar to, to how Josh approached this question. Um and same with you know I, I've been privileged enough to not necessarily have to worry about some of this, but there are plenty of people who aren't as and it's difficult for them. And I think uh what people could do is engage, inquire, just care, just do more to care about those that are around you. You know, it goes back to the the old phrase of um, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. You know, it's respect and and dignity. It could be something as simple as if you're having a conversation with somebody, maybe ask a little bit more into how they're doing. You know, it, it wouldn't be so different as, let's say you're on the phone with your mom and you let somebody know, oh, yeah, I just got off the phone with my mom and they ask how she's doing. Maybe ask that extra question, you know, for the person um, standing across from you and it might make a world of difference to them because maybe no one has asked them that in a really long time. So it can just be as simple as that. Um, but I also love what, what Sam, Rachel, and Josh had to say. Um, and, I, and I agree with, with the majority of what they had to say. Um, I just think we need to delve a little bit further into caring more about each other. So I think in terms of allyship, it, you don't really have to try too hard to, to be very successful and, and uh, to make somebody's day. I was supposed to pass
1: it on tonight to, to AJ and Dame, but now I have a follow-up to you, Derek. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> in terms of, like, caring more, like, mm-hmm. that's such a simple term, but what do you mean by, like, caring more? How can people learn to, like, care more?
4: How can people learn to care more?
1: Or I mean, just start, Or just start to care
4: more. Well, what makes you happy in the workplace, right? So, like, wh- what, what do you value in a workplace? If you're going into, into a place that um, you want to be happy, you want to be safe, all of those things that you find to be pretty normal for you, just be considerate to the person that's that you're working with or maybe the patient that's walking in. Whatever it is that you already have to think about, especially if we're going to be PTs, right? Um, we have to care about that patient's day, the entirety of them. We have to treat the whole patient. So, in thinking about that, whether it's a coworker or a patient coming in, think about that whole person so i I think hitting that from um, from any angle that we can, you know it, it doesn't just stop just because they're a patient, you know maybe it's your coworker too. So I think just being considerate and and going about it and approaching it that way you'll you'll accomplish that caring more aspect.
5: yeah, I, I just want to jump in. Um... I absolutely agree. I think, you know, fundamental to being inclusive, you know, is seeing a person, your colleagues and patients as whole people. Um, So I've done a bit of um, like LGBTQ plus inclusive healthcare education, um, both in school and like on my own. Um, And I think one common thing I hear is people will push back saying like, well, if I just treat everyone the same, isn't that enough? If I just treat everyone how I would want to be treated, isn't that enough? And I kind of like I like to push back against that idea because what, when you break that down, like, what does that mean? Are you, if nope, nobody's the same. So if you're treating everyone the same, what does that mean? It usually means you're treating everyone as cis and white and straight. Um, so I kind of like to push back against that because I get that counter. A lot of people are like, well, you know, if I just treat everyone the same, but no, you know, like everyone's different. So you got to treat a person how they want to be treated, you know, not just how you would want to be treated. Um, And I think a lot of that is, you know, as Derek said, like, viewing someone as a whole person and try to understanding, try to understand that whole person.
1: Absolutely. We hear the same thing when people say, we don't see color. And I'm just like, you should see color because we're all different. Like, so I I totally agree. Just seeing somebody where they're at and trying to understand who they are as a person. And just try, I ask some of these questions, because I'm trying to like, make it so like, I don't want it to be like something overwhelming. Like it's a simple, small step that you can take right now to work on being a better person, better clinician in the future. So that, that's kind of why I asked those follow-ups, but I will toss the next one to Damien.
0: Yeah. I, I just wanted to answer your, your question about like, how do we care more? Um uh, and cause it's like, we, we always like greet each other. with like, Hey, how are you doing? But we don't, we don't actually mean it. It's just like a, it's just like a, a courtesy thing, right? So we we just kind of say just to say like hi. But um to to Derek's point, I think we should ask like those follow-ups, you know, and that's that kind of solidified the fact that we actually do care, cause um you don't ask a follow-up. It's just like yeah, I'm good. How are you? And then I'm good, and then that's it. So um and I'm 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 about to go on a little tangent to uh rachel's uh point um i think people say that uh we should treat everybody how i want to be treated and you know i don't see color i think people say that because like that's like the easiest thing for them to relate to like themselves so i think that's why people always say that but um that also shows that they're not willing to like think outside the box and see outside of their own community and uh, household, like things that they are already familiar with. So that, that's my little tangent. Um, but what I want to ask you guys is uh, in the LGBTQ community, language is uh, a very important thing. So how do we as allies avoid using the wrong pronouns uh, when we're unsure? And um, Rachel, I'll ask this question to you.
5: Yeah. Um, so I'll say this. Um, you are never sure of someone's pronouns when you first meet them. Um, I think a lot of people are used to assuming like, oh, if I, if I meet someone who uh, dresses and appears feminine, they must use she, her pronouns. Or if I meet someone who appears masculine, they must use he, him pronouns. And that's not true. Um, gender is someone's internal sense of who they are. So their use of gendered pronouns is not something that you can just guess by looking at them. Um, so I'll say you'll ne- you never know somebody's pronouns until you ask, until they tell you. Um, and so if you're not sure, ask, ask them. Um, and if it's a situation where it's a patient, um, and you're maybe not able to ask them, just use somebody's name. Um, or, um, I know a lot of people will just default to, uh, they, them pronouns because it is a gender neutral thing. So often it can be, um, it can be seen as like more, you know, neutral as like a default pronoun. Um, but, um, if anybody's interested, I, um, I can, I don't know a great way to send this out, but I, I put together a, uh, pronouns guide for healthcare providers that answers a lot of these like problem solving questions of like, well, what do you do in this situation? Like, how do you ask? What are the respectful ways to ask? Um, I can maybe I'll give my Instagram and like, if people DM me, like probably sending it out is the easiest way to do that. Um, but yeah, so ask. Um, or use their name if you're not sure.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be like a wonderful um, resource. So definitely uh, plug it Instagram at the end of the show. But um, I, I've, like me personally, I find myself defaulting to they, they or them. And um, I, I wanted to just follow up with you, like, is that, could that be like offensive at times? Like if we default to that?
5: Um, so I'll say, you know, I can only speak for myself in my own experience. Like I use, I default to they, them if I don't know somebody's pronouns. Um, obviously, if someone, but as soon as I learn somebody's pronouns, I use those pronouns, you know, um, it's not something like, so I'll use they, them pronouns. And if I don't know, But then if I find out someone uses she, her pronouns, and I continue to use they, them pronouns, then that's where that's a problem, you know, because now I know somebody's correct pronouns, and if I'm not using their correct pronouns, that's, that's not respecting them. That's not respecting them or their identity.
0: Perfect. Thank you. All right. Uh, Derek, I'll
4: pass this to you. Um, I guess, so language is very important. (laughs) Let me just start there. I think for all of us, um, whether... Uh, you're somebody of color whether you're in this community um whether you're a PT providing care to a patient right uh but in terms of um avoiding using the wrong pronouns I I mean Rachel hit it on the head um I don't always default to pronouns for myself um cis male uh he him um so I don't have too much to comment on because I thought that she did a wonderful job explaining a lot of that. Uh, I also will default to they, them, theirs if I'm not too certain of um, of the, uh, the of the pronouns that the individual uses. But other than that, I don't really have
5: any extra to add. And just a reminder, I use they, them pronouns, not she, her.
0: Gotcha. So um, does anybody else have uh, anything to add more to that question or? Sam? Yeah,
6: I can. I can add some. Um, I know. I know. M- even my mom has started asking me this because she's a PT as well, and she's started trying to become a little more aware of things and understanding that okay, identity for her patients obviously extends beyond just what she sees in their medical chart. Sometimes that's not always accurate to what the patient um, actually identifies. So she's asked me, and um, I know this tactic actually started with Rachel, where we introduce ourselves as PTs, like, hi, I'm Sam, she or her, hers, and I'll be your PT today. And saying something as simple as that, it's not outwardly asking someone their pronouns, but you almost very subtly make it known that you understand pronouns are very important to identification. So... It's a way where you can kind of sneak into your patient like, hey, if you want to tell me your pronouns, this is the time. Like, I've made it known these are mine. This is your opportunity to say yours. Um, so I think that's a way if you're not very comfortable just outwardly asking, you can go ahead and introduce the topic in that manner, too.
0: That that That's a, that's a very good point, actually, Sam. Um, and, and I kind of want to ask this follow-up, and it, it, it doesn't have to just be uh, you, Sam, but I wanted to know, like, should we like going forward? Like, should we just start writing like our pronouns, like on I, I guess like any documents that like we sign, like when we first go to like a medical office or like a job application stuff like that. Like just going forward.
5: So, um, yeah, this is something I talk about in that handout I created. Also, um, so when you, uh, as Sam said, you know, when you introduce your pronouns, you create that space, letting people know that oh, you are okay talking about pronouns, and you will be receptive to that um so you know me as someone who uses um gender neutral pronouns who uses like different pronouns than she her he him um having someone introduce their pronouns let me know let me know like okay you at least have some surface knowledge that if I tell you my pronouns you know what that means like you know what that like you know you've at least been introduced to the topic Um, and so I think it's important to do that in every interaction. Um, you know, whenever you're introducing yourself, but as you said, like, uh, signing your email with your pronouns, um, it normalizes the experience, you know? So if everybody does it, you know, if, uh, cis people do it, it makes it more normal for trans people to do it too, you know? So if you just create it as the norm, then it's not then it's like me, if everybody in an office introduces their pronouns, then it's not like a huge ordeal for me to introduce mine, you know, because right now I'm working in a space where no one talks about pronouns. So nobody knows my pronouns because I don't feel safe talking about it. Um. So I, I definitely think like including it in emails, Um. I've seen people use like pronoun stickers on ID badges, Um. just as those signifiers that you are open to um, talking about it and that you were open to creating that space. I'll
4: jump in real quick. Uh, cause Rachel said something very, very, very important. Um, it's that creating a sense of normalcy in, in all of this. So yeah, that would be extremely helpful. Um, but please understand, and I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here. I'm not like, I'll speak for myself. I'm not perfect with this either. I'm not used to using pronouns. So I make mistakes. Don't be fearful of always making mistakes. Try. The person on the other end will be super receptive that you're at least trying. So if, you know, if if you're at least making the effort, then that's something because a lot of people don't make the effort at all. So if you're trying to create a space of normalcy, I mean, that's ultimately um, what what the community needs is that is a place to feel safe, a place to feel like, you know, someone's trying to understand me.
0: Yeah, you you hit on a good point, Derek, because um, I feel like the journey to normalcy is going to be like long and it's going to be um, arduous because I feel like we we live in a time where people, um, they kind of walk on eggshells and they don't want to offend people by accident. So they just won't try at all. But um, I, I think there has to be a way where it's uh, we can signal that it's OK to try and it's okay to make mistakes as long as you're, you're being honest and you're not trying to offend anybody. Um, so that, that's my thought on that. Um, and I'll pass it to AJ.
2: Wait, Josh, did you have anything to say? I didn't want to cut you off. He didn't ask you.
3: Oh, thanks, Alvin. Um, but <laughs> I don't think I have anything more. Actually, now that Derek mentioned it, um, a lot of people are scared of, like, getting it wrong, making it awkward. Um, but you really shouldn't. And and another weird thing that I notice is that people only start to say their pronouns to create that safe space just because they're questioning that particular person in front of them of how to address them, but like they don't address it when they were not questioning it. Like if you're just talking to someone that you're like, I for sure know that he uses he, he or him, like you should still create that space as practice so it becomes more normal. Because people only ask those questions if they're if they're, they they want to know what the next person's like pronoun preferred pronouns are. So I just think you should really incorporate into your daily language to help with the uh, normalizing it.
5: Yeah, and just to add on to that, you know, it's kind of what I said. It was like you need to ask everybody, you know, because you don't know based on someone's appearance. Like you can't make assumptions on pronouns, and. Um, if you only ask people who are gender non-conforming, that can be really alienating. Because it's like, you know, we notice that you're not talking about this with other people. So it's like, oh, you're singling me out because you know I'm different, you know? Um, that can be pretty alienating too. So just ask everybody, just, you know, make it a normal thing.
2: Yeah, thank you for that. Sorry, I didn't want to leave you out, but um, I'll jump to the, the next question. Um, so I know Rachel will probably have a lot to say about this. But um, just in general, how would you say or advise a clinic or owner to go about making their clinic more LGBTQ plus inclusive friendly, such as like forms or correct pronouns? Um, Do you have any, you know, suggestions going forward for future PT, um, you know, community people to make things seem more inclusive? And I'll start with uh, Rachel, if that's fine.
5: Yeah, so definitely. um... I will quickly plug, uh, so if you look up uh, Fenway Health, um, they have a educational institute, I think it's called the LGBT Educational Institute and blanking on the full name, but uh, Fenway Health has a great uh, number of resources specifically addressing this question um, and also just providing free free resources of educating about LGBTQ plus inclusive health. Um, so definitely look there because I'll talk about a few things, but that covers so many different levels of this question. Um, I will say, you know, there's always something you can do. I think a lot of people get bogged down of like, oh, well, I mean, what can I do? You know, if, if it's not my clinic, like, am I really able to make changes? Like, am I really able to make this more inclusive space? And there's, there's always something you can do to, um, to change things, to push for change. Um, and so some of the really big things is, um, Number one, what is your non-discrimination policy at the clinic? Do you know it? Um, does it specifically include um, sexual orientation and gender uh, gender identity and expression? Um, if it doesn't include both of those, how can you and your colleagues push for the inclusion of both of those? Because um, I'll say as someone I'm getting ready to apply for jobs, that affects where I decide to apply and where I decide to take a position um, because, With the Supreme Court changes, a lot of us LGBTQ people are about to lose workplace protections. Um, The only reason I'm not allowed to be fired uh, for being queer and being non binary is because of a Supreme Court decision that happened this year. Um, So, looking and making sure that, okay, if there are no uh, state and federal protections for this type of discrimination, does our company at least have that language in place so that? um patients and that colleagues can feel safe uh in their work environment um and then if if you do have an inclusive anti-discrimination policy is it visible is it uh easily found um you know are patients able to see oh hey this is a place where i can feel comfortable um for getting care um other things are um do you have gender neutral bathrooms um i've been at clinics where you know there isn't a gender neutral bathroom so i have to use whatever's there. Um, At school, there's like two (laughs) gender neutral bathrooms, um, and not in every building. Um, So that's a big thing. Um, We talked about uh, pronouns, you know, are you asking pronouns? Um, Is your intake form inclusive? Uh, Fenway Health has some cool examples and cool resources. Um, Again, if anyone reaches out to me, I have a ton of cool resources about um, inclusive intake forms. So I'm happy to send those along um but so looking at things like that you know if if you're not able to change the non-discrimination policy at your work like what are those steps you can take um, um can you bring in a uh, a workshop like a lgbtq plus workshop for you and your colleagues you know can you Um, update the intake form if you can't do those like do those things like work as a team you know with your colleagues if you're interested in this and like try to identify those things that you can change. I
2: I appreciate that answer because this question I guess we aren't clinic owners yet but you know inciting change is the best thing we can do Um, and unfortunately speaking on what you're talking about Rachel um, a lot of times unless we are applying for a job and looking for like best places for us like in our situations when we're going to clinics we're so focused on getting into a setting we like. It's so easy for people who aren't experiencing these type of travesties or oppressions to not think about asking the questions you were mentioning. Like, is this uh, place safe for my, my type of community and do, do they do these things that are so important to me? Like it goes by the wayside so easily. So it's, you know, very important that we remind people, you know, ask about these things because you wouldn't want to experience that or, be the only person in there who cares about that. You want it to be a, a total thing. You don't want to be, you know, the outlier that's, you know, being <laughs> the person you want to treat. So um, I appreciate your answer for that. Um, I'll jump over to Josh. See what you have to say. I feel
3: like Rachel really did a good job <laughs> and that. And I don't really have another different perspective because that is not my perspective currently as a student. So and only working as an aide in PT clinic in the Bay area where it's like a melting pot and they're very inclusive. I really didn't find any, um, um, areas that need to be addressed. So that's, that's fine. I appreciate that.
2: Um, Sam, what about you? Do you have anything to add?
6: Um, yeah, I don't know if this is something that I'm a stickler about, um, but it's something that I'm trying to practice and be better at. Um, I'm trying not to say preferred pronouns, Cause it almost makes it sound like a choice and like being like me being gay. That wasn't a choice. Like I I'm not, I'm, my preferences aren't being gay. I am gay. So it's not a preferred pronoun. It's more statement of fact pronouns. Like these are my pronouns. This is a fact. It's not a preference because preference almost makes it sound second tier. Just kind of like, Meh. you know, I have to go out of my way to say that. Um, so I think if you're going to make forms where you want to seem inclusive of pronouns, just put pronouns, blank line, or like, don't put preferred pronouns or like, you know, um, and if you need to ask for their like gender identification, don't just put male and female, put male, female, non-binary, other, and then a chance for them to say what that other is. Um, so I think a lot of it is just understanding that, it's not necessarily a choice for these people. It's not preferred. It is a statement of fact for these people. This is their identification.
2: I actually really appreciate that answer, Sam. Um, now that you mentioned that, I haven't really thought about that, but putting preferred before it has almost an underlying tone of abnormal, which is you know something you never want to communicate across to any type of community. So I actually really like that answer. Thank you. Um, last but not least, Derek,
4: Everything to add? Um, Not a ton to add, uh, but I think um, would be important, I'll talk for two different things. So the first part, like professionally, if you're a clinic owner, um, maybe understanding what your benefits are. Um, As an owner, what type of benefits are you providing? What insurances are you using? Because all of that stuff is extremely important. Um, And that could be a way for someone to maybe not choose to either work with you for you um, and maybe you're not actually helping the community that you seek to not just help but like you know be an ally for um, so there's that and then just availability if <laughs> if you're an owner or you're working somewhere be available be available to the people that you're working with so this goes back to the first part about just caring um, and just showing up for people because you know maybe that um, is, is something that's going to create a connection uh, for you and someone else. And that can help create a more inclusive workplace.
2: Well, I I appreciate that answer too. Um, Kind of made me think when you brought that up about the word we were talking about before, transparency, because, you know, in, in the corporate world we live in and capitalists, everything's, you know, about money. So it's so hard to see people's real intentions. So thinking about insurance, I didn't even think about that, you know, uh, you're insuring beneficial factors that come in could be from, some you know company that doesn't support a large population of the patients you're seeing and it's something you know sh- you should look into um so i think there's there's so many factors to go into trying to make it seem inclusive but um these will all be you know good points if eventually we all own our own practices someday so i appreciate everyone's answers and i'll kick it back over to mang for
1: the next question so for for this question i'll kind of give some like backstory as to why we decided to ask it um so we we've talked about I don't know, maybe on this podcast, I don't know if we voiced it, but we talked about it for sure, Um, how being a minority in the healthcare field, you don't see a lot of other people like you, you don't kind of get the benefit of the doubt. So you kind of feel like you got to prove more just to prove that you belong there and to that you know what you're talking about. So we're just curious, do you feel like in school you had extra pressure to perform and If, like, did you feel like you had to work twice as hard because you didn't want to be judged for how you decided to identify and just want people to look at you for what you
4: bring to the table and nothing else? We'll start with, we'll start with there. So, I guess in answering this, uh, I never felt any extra pressure to perform in terms of school. Um, But as an athlete, I've always had extra pressure to perform. Um, And that goes back to, he's gay. He's not as good. He's not as athletic. Whatever it is, you have to work harder. You have to try harder. You have to appear to be more masculine. You have to appear to be more tough. You have to appear to be stronger. So there's all these other added things, added pressures that come with that. Um, So in terms of school, no, but things that were related in school as a student athlete. So, you know, kind of by default, they were connected. Um, but an area that I was extremely fearful of was applying to grad school. Um I know you guys mentioned on a on a previous podcast, you know, um when you're applying to school, how tough it is and how competitive all this stuff is. And there's usually a question about diversity, right? Um almost every school you apply to has a question about diversity. And then you get there and you realize, hey, maybe they're not as diverse as you might have thought that they were. But, you know even though they have this question, you think about it and it's like, I don't know who's reading it on the other end. So I was fearful. I wrote my diversity essay. I included that I'm gay in it. And for a while I was calling my dad back and forth. Do I include this? Do I take it out? Because I was afraid that someone on the other side, maybe they weren't as accepting. And maybe I wouldn't get in because of that. And he had the same fear for me. And there's a lot of anxiety that goes in with that because you're leaving your future up to an unknown. You know, it's, it's hard enough to get into any of these programs. You work your ass off to, to retake classes or go to school and find the time, do all of these different things for prereqs and to make sure that all of your stuff is lined up and you pay an exorbitant amount of money to do it. But there's still that what if someone's not accepting and then that can decide future essentially. So um, in terms of me having to try harder, no, I guess, you know, you want to make sure that stuff looks good on paper, but it, you're always in fear of, you know, someone having uh, more power over that situation and and it can control like what you can ultimately do. So yeah, I, I was afraid in that way. And uh, I mean, you just, you, you keep working, you chug along <laughs> and you do what you can. So,
1: how did you decide to to keep all that you've written for your essays? And like, were you just like, they're just gonna have to accept me for who I am? And if they don't accept me, uh, it is what it is. Like, it's not the right spot. Like, how did you decide what to keep in and what
4: to what to not include? Because you get tired of lying. After a while, it weighs on you enough, and the anxiety is enough, and the depression's enough. All of that you get to a point of I'm done. I'm, I'm done, you know, hiding who I am. I'm done lying about who I am. And you just want to put yourself on the page and say, look, this is who I am. Here are, you know, my accolades, my accomplishments my accomplishments, whatever. That's what it is. And, and it's, it's freeing, you know, when you don't have to, to hide. So, that's ultimately how I, I came to that. You know, I was, I was tired of hiding. And if I pay a cost for it, at least I'm good with myself. I'm at peace with myself that I was able to do that.
1: No, I, I love that answer. It's like being comfortable in your own skin and what you bring to the table, that's really all you can do. That's all you can control, who you are. So really love that answer. Josh, I will to throw this question to you. Um,
3: I definitely agree with Derek. I definitely went through that same process of like, is this too much to share, blah, blah, blah. Um, who's reading on the other end? Like they're not where I'm from. We don't have the same environment and um, upbringing. So like, what's different? Like what's what's something off putting that I might say about, but then I'm, I was really quick to basically ground myself in like, this is my application. <laughs> like this is what I want to be perceived out there. And if, um, if whoever's reading it is not really that open to like, do I even want to be in that environment? Why am I applying to this environment that I'm going to, to, to be in for like two, three years that I, I don't feel welcomed in? So I think I found, I found like solace in that being like, if you don't like it, then good that you're rejecting me because I don't want to be in that environment as well. So uh, it was really quick to just nip that idea in the butt. And it's like, here's what I need to write. But to address the question, I didn't really have that extra pressure to perform in school, Um, not in the lens of being gay, but um, I really felt like I had this pressure because I identify as an immigrant. I immigrated here when I was like nine. And so I always thought in the back of my head, I always had the pressure of like speaking English correctly and stuff like that. So being gay was in the back burner. Like I remember in like, middle school, elementary school, like some kids were teasing me that I didn't, I was unaware of that they were teasing me about being gay. They were like, hey, Josh, are you straight? Me being my Fabia, as like, I didn't know what the word straight was. <laughs> and so I was way more embarrassed and concerned that I didn't understand the word straight than the fact that they were trying to call me gay. <laughs> so it's like the intersectionality that people really need to put into their minds when addressing questions like this. Like it's, it's it's complex and it's not always straightforward
1: very complex indeed um but kind of like what you said I think you getting into school now now you're paid when you get out of school and your patients are going to see you for who you are the fantastic the funny sarcastic Josh that you are so uh, <laughs> but they'll love you for it and um so um yeah that's that's really I lo- I like that you answer you got for me. mean mean as well
3: I right, I'll leave that for you. All right, you guys. Thank you for um everything. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Sam, we'll we'll bring this one to you. <laughs>
6: um yeah, it's actually very interesting to hear the compare and contrast between like a sexual orientation and race because like Derek and Josh, we can we can hide it if we want to. Um and I think that makes a big difference. So because I was hiding it, I didn't have that extra pressure to perform, because people didn't know. Um, So to everyone else, I'm just a straight person. So I don't have that extra, um, like, barrier to cross. But I don't know, at a certain point, you do want to just say, like, like, fuck it, I'm, I am who I am, like, you're gonna have to start accepting that. And so you almost say that to yourself and you work twice as hard to like hide that cause you don't want that extra pressure. But I know, so I realized in college about halfway through that I was gay and I definitely worked twice as hard to hide it from those people because I didn't want that rejection and I didn't want to feel like I would lose people. Um, So when I was applying to grad school, that's when I really said like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and say it. I don't want to go through that hiding anymore. I need to just, they're going to accept me or they're not going to accept me at all. Um, So I feel like I now don't have that pressure to perform because I know I got into a school knowing that I told them I'm gay. So I know that they have my back. Um, But going into A clinic I'm back in that situation again like do I hide it do I not Um, because this is now a career and this is now something that definitely as Rachel has said before these companies can just not hire me for if they don't want to so I think it's just for sexual orientation for me I feel like it's a balancing act between hiding and letting people know Whereas with race, it's like it's out there. You can't you can't hide it. You kind of it's a different battle, in my opinion.
1: No, that's a that's a good perspective to to look at it from. I didn't even think of it like that. Being able to you know kind of hide it when you want to, and uh, being able to you know make it known when you want to make it known. I, I I love that comparison. That was that was great. Thanks, Sam. Rachel.
5: I think just echoing a lot of the things that have already been said. Um, I think the the idea of visibility is really like really important to this discussion too you know um so with um i came out as um so identify as bisexual and non-binary um so i came out as bisexual in college um and so that is like you know like what sam was saying it's something i could hide um and so i didn't face a lot of those pressures Um, and then in grad school was when I came out as non-binary and you know began like changing my gender expression. Um, you know I I'm visibly not cis. You know I'm visibly not like cis straight. I present myself a certain way. I have short hair. I dress masculinely. Um, and so it's very much it's a struggle of like I can't hide um, this stuff. Um, and so it's it's hard. It's hard. I feel that I feel that pressure now that I'm transitioning into applying for jobs um of I think some things have been said it's almost like being queer is seen as like a liability you know it's like I feel like I have to like hide it you know I have to like try to minimize it and uh um all the like positives I had because it, it feels like it's seen as a negative when in fact like it's an asset it's an asset I'm able to bring like a perspective I'm able to bring um you know a different set of ideas but it's seen as a negative and it so it feels like i i have to like make up for that somehow like i have to be really solid in my academics i have to be really solid in my skills because there's always going to be this negative weighing down on me when i apply for a job um and that's something too like i so throughout school i've been very involved in um like advocacy i was um i was president of the lgbtq plus club um in my time and um, very involved in like LGBTQ+ plus education, so a lot of my resume is about being queer, and so it's like, do I just not include my, <laughs> you know, like stuff that I think is good for my resume because like people can read it and be like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Um, so it's tough. It's tough, and I I, I have noticed also this, you know, because um, we're talking about like feeling the need to, um, you know, perform and do more. I've I've felt that also specifically in when I do LGBTQ plus education, um, it's almost like if I'm not you, if I'm not presenting things perfectly, if I don't back everything up with facts, if I don't cite my sources from what people see as like good sources, they decide they can discount everything I say. So it's, it's, it's very much like if you don't, when you're advocating for yourself and your community, it's like if you don't do it perfectly, you know, there like, nobody listens and like people dismiss it.
1: And that, that's the tough part because you're definitely, you have all your experiences, you have your own perspective. And now all of a sudden, because maybe one, I misspoke for one thing. And now everything I said is unval unvalid. And I'm just like, come on, <laughs> just because I think differently, that's not a reason to totally dismiss everything i said. said. Um, so, hey, Rachel, I have a follow-up question for you then. So as you're about to start applying for jobs and stuff, will you um include your experiences that you have or will you wait will you not and ask questions specifically to the people that you're interviewing with and try and figure out if that's the right fit for you then
5: boy that's a great question and i wish i had an answer to it um i think this this and this goes back to like uh you know i don't i don't know i don't know pt's that look like me and that have my experience i've not met an out non-binary physical therapist um So I don't have a guidebook. I don't have any clue, um, you know, how it's going to go, um, when I apply for jobs. Um, and I'm actually about to move to, uh, St. Louis. My partner just started her uh, PhD program out there. So I'm moving to a state that's way less inclusive than the state we're in right now too. So it's a whole minefield trying to navigate, you know, like, I think we talked about like a bit about, um, you know, Sam, Derek, and Josh talked about like, oh, you know, you have that security of like, oh, there's that anxiety of like applying for school, but you have that security of like, okay, I was open about myself. So I know while I'm here, they accept it and stuff. Um, And then you, you know, as you're applying for jobs, you lose that security again, because you're having to go through that whole, um, you know, figuring things out. Um, But also on the line is like, you know, I don't get to be as picky because, I need to feed myself. Like I need to make money. Like I need to have a job. So it's like, I don't get to be as picky about, you know, like obviously ideally I'd love to be out at work. I'd love to be um, my true authentic self, you know? Cause I think that's, that's beneficial, not just to me and my mental health, but to my patients. Like, I think, you know, I can be a better provider if I'm who I am. Um, but like, I'm, I'm fully prepared to like have to hide a lot of parts of who I am because I need a job and I need to make money. Um, and like, we're looking at with COVID right now, you know, like a lot of hospitals aren't hiring a lot of hiring freezes. So pickings are probably slimmer (laughs) right now than most other times. Um, and so it's tough. It's tough to figure out like, what compromises will I make, you know, like what compromises am I going to have to make? Um, and like, You know, how much risk am I willing to put myself in because I need to get a job?
1: Uh, That's tough. Plus, like the pressure of having to repay back loans and because they're stacking up interest and debt and we don't need any of that. But we need the money. But we also want to be ourselves and who we are and feel comfortable with ourselves. So it's a tough spot to be in. Um, But I appreciate all you guys answering that question. um, And I'll throw it to Dame for the next
0: one. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna kick it up a notch and go off script because um, I, I saw a common theme in the, in the way you guys asked, like answer the, the last question. And um, I think this is gonna be like an easy question to answer, but it's, it's a fun question. So um, a, a common theme that I notice is that there's a fear of rejection from the person that's reading your application. So I wanted to follow up with you guys and and ask, um, do you think race and sexual orientation should be on applications in general? And if so, uh, what may be the benefits of having um, those questions on the application? And so, uh, Derek, since you brought up this topic, first, um, I'll kick it to you first.
4: You said it was gonna be an easy one to talk about. (laughs) You lied. No. Yeah, that's a little bit of a curveball for me, because I can kind of see both sides of that coin. Um, I think there's, there's benefit in it, depending on the community that you're trying to serve. So if you're in a certain location, and there's certain demographics in that location, and they feel more comfortable with people who are more like them, and they're more apt to working with people who are more like them, then I can see the benefits of having that on an application, because... You would, want to, um, you would want to promote that for your business to make sure that you're addressing those needs of that community. Um, and then I can see the downside in that people might be uncomfortable because they're unsure. They don't know if that's like a weeding process, right? Because it could be seen as that as well. And maybe some companies do use it as a weeding pro- process. Um, it's hard to really know until you know, you're, you're faced with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where I would lean on, on this, on this question. Um, it's something that I guess I would need to look into more. I, it just depends on, on where you're from, what those demographics are and and what the culture is like there. Um, I'm from California. That to me, doesn't really appear to be a problem. And most companies as it is, has, uh, have non, uh, non-discriminatory practices. I mean, that's something that you need to look into. Some still have them. Like Rachel was mentioning earlier, it wasn't until this year that, you know, that the Supreme Court uh, decided that, you know, um, that we wouldn't have to be, or that uh, it would be illegal to be discriminated, discriminated against in the workplace. So, um, I don't know I guess it's just know know your area (laughs) be more familiar with with the area that you're working in I wish I had a better answer yeah
0: no no that that was a great answer actually um I'm sorry Josh were you gonna say something oh yeah just before I lose my
3: thought (laughs) but um because when Derek started to answer that I was like yeah I'm kind of in the same boat because like yeah I kind of want to this is I'm proud to have this as an identify uh identifying factor for me, but then also like if it is required in like job applications and whatnot, that's another easy quick step like, oh, you identify as this, toss your application away. So that's very scary. (laughs) Um, And if you guys are from California, I just voted. And one of the propositions is actually to repeal (laughs) one of those things. And so it kind of scares me that it's still going on in a very blue state right now. And it made its way up to the current ballot right now and so just understand like Derry said your environment where you live and always don't assume what you know (laughs) I guess because this came out out of nowhere for me when I read all the propositions and then one of it is really repealing another proposition that says that you cannot discriminate um in the workplace based on see the race sex color ethnicity national origin in a public employment education or contracting and that's here 2020 in California. That's crazy
0: to me. <laughs> yeah, and you, you bring up a good point because it's like, now, now that you're, you're starting to see like all these laws going to effect against, you know, like the LGBTQ community, um, having these, uh, the sexual orientation and, and race question on application gives them like that tool, that vehicle to, you know, identify and then, you know, eliminate uh, in a sense. So uh, I'm gonna ask everybody else what their opinion is, but I'm just gonna tell my opinion. And I, I say it shouldn't be on application. So the, the way I see it, I don't want to be hired just based on the fact that I'm black and uh, they need like that token black guy to fulfill their, their requirement. You know, I wanna be hired based on you know my, my accolades, my education, my skills, but I also see the plus side. You know, you you can't you can't uh, diversify a a workplace or a a, sc- a school program if you don't know how many people are, is in your application pool. So um, to continue, I will pass this question to Rachel.
5: Yeah, I think this is a, you know, tough question for sure, because um, I think, uh, you know, in in an ideal world, like kind of what Derek was talking about, you know, if you. Like, as a clinic, you want to be able to provide a diverse workforce for a diverse patient population. Um, and also, you know, in general, like, we can provide better care if we are a more diverse workforce. Um, but <laughs> that's, you know, like, with, we already know, you know, there's discrimination in hiring. And so I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I want to make it easier for them to <laughs> discriminate in hiring. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Absolutely. And then, um, Sam, what are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, Because for me, I don't feel like my race or my sexual orientation has anything to do with my competency as a physical therapist. Um, Whether I'm straight or black or anything, I can still perform my PT duties. So in my opinion, I don't understand why it would have any impact um and so I don't think it should be included but I don't know I'm also torn because like oh we want to celebrate who we are and so I just don't I'm so torn between if we include it or not because I feel like if it is included it's like you guys have said it's also a way for them to have an excuse to toss us out if they wanted to Or if they don't toss us out, maybe we are that token gay in the clinic or, like, you know, we are a pawn in their scheme of being, like, the most diverse hospital in the nation or some shit. Like, you know, and I don't want to be seen as just a pawn in that sense. Like, I am more than just my gayness. I am a really good PT, or I would love to think I'm a good PT. Like, I'm a really good PT. I have the skills for it. Like, let's focus on my skills, not just the fact that I'm gay. So... I don't know, I don't think it should be included.
0: Thank you That's what I want to hear, but um actually I, I want to hear from both uh, Megan and, and h uh, a about this topic because uh, it definitely includes us too so
1: all right i'll go I'll go first. Um, I agree. it's definitely tough, but I think what worries me is then, what if you don't include it and then your cohorts look like all the same like there's no. There's the, the person admitting people is like, I resonate with this essay, so I'm gonna let them in. I resonate with this one, I'm gonna let them in. I don't agree with this one, I'm gonna let them, I'm not gonna bring them in. And so what if your cohorts are all the same? So then when your people, when your cohorts go out into the into the clinic or into the real world, they have no idea how to do, work with different populations because they've only seen the same people around them their whole school career. So that's the only thing that I worry about. Um, but I, I I agree with, you know, it could be a way to also just if you click this check mark this box then your you your application might be gone because you don't fit also. So it's a tough it's a tough line to to step, but that's my thoughts.
0: They they got an interview, bro. That's it you, you can't just bring people in based on application. So if we take off like gender, uh sexual orientation, and race bring in the interview and then that's how you you see
1: you could still but, come to the interview and and still feel some type of way about that person not being the same as you
0: yeah but i feel like once you're you're talking to the person like you're already inclined to like bring them into the fold but i mean that that's just my opinion.
2: torn um i would like to say i would include it Provided that our country does have laws that protect us from being discriminated against for that reason, which it should, because my whole standpoint on this is if I don't include it and they bring me in based on my credentials, but then I'm among a cohort, I'm, I'm among like peers that actually don't like me once they see who I am or they are, you know, against things I'm for, like I'm the only black person in the clinic and I find out they make anti-Semitic comments or anti-gay comments, or they make like stereotypical racist comments under their breath. I'm going to be miserable, even though I'm qualified to be there. The fact that I didn't put it on there, I could have avoided this because they may have known. um, But I don't want to be in that situation because then say we're in a cohort where you're the only person of that community and no one's for you. Like all the things that have been happening in the, the, like, social justice awareness, all the protests and marches, all their comments are like, uh, this is stupid. They aren't doing anything. And you're sitting there like, well, I I like it. Like I wouldn't want to be in that situation. So I'm more so of the mindset like I'm gonna put it on there. Hope that the country lives up to ideals that I don't be discriminated against because I put it on there. And then get somewhere where I'm appreciated and it's already part of my identity. There's no need to like try and dance around it. This is who I am. I'm just also this eligible person for this job because I have these credentials, but this is who I identify as. That's my standpoint. I just don't wanna you know, all of a sudden hide it because I mean, Damon, you've been in a situation, I know you have. I'm talking to someone on the phone. I don't mention anything about my race and then I show up and they give you that look like, oh, it's, it's you. I hate that. I don't want that situation. So I'd much rather just get it out there put it on whatever it is and then deal with it after. So that's where my standpoint is.
0: Nah. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, been in that situation, but um, <laughs> that's why I try to include Ebonics in my phone calls, but <laughs> I'll pass it on to you, AJ. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: Josh, Josh, you want to add something?
0: Um,
3: I just didn't want to bring like a devil's advocate point of view, but like um, it was just Uh, curious to me like when sam when you were talking about like yeah i don't want to be a pawn in this whole thing i don't want to be like there to fill their quota and be like the token one but also i feel like in respect to like being in a workplace i would rather be uh like i'd rather be someone than no one in that workplace because like in different situations different uh, environments especially in the health field like I want to be there for the patients that do feel better and feel more included. If there was someone like me in the workplace, you know, like, I'd rather have that representation than not have it at all. But I also don't want to be a pawn. I don't want to be used as a number, but that's a thought that I was just thinking of when you guys were discussing this.
0: No, that, that's a very good point, actually. So uh, thank you for sharing that.
2: All right. I'm going to hop in with the next question and I'm not going to lie to you. It could get deep. Um, but here's going to roll with it. So, um, us three on this podcast have talked about this in regards to, you know, our race, but we would love to hear your perspectives on this. So, um, if you are comfortable with sharing, um, have you dealt with any outright discrimination or flagrant disrespect, whether it is in college, grad school, or now, or in the clinic? Um, if so, how did you handle that? Um, good or bad? And what kind of advice would you give to those to help through those situations? And I'll start with uh, Sam.
6: Yeah, I, I'm i trying to think. So I remember this one day being in the clinic um, back in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is already a hot topic city for we're not going to go there. But I was a tech at an outpatient clinic and um, I had this patient with me and we had built like a big connection. I'd seen him for like, three other injuries before, so we were probably on visit, like, 100 with this guy, Um, and so it was, I want to say it was, like, just days before the 2016 election, and he lets slip, he says something along the lines of, like, oh, yeah, I love Pence, he just knows how to handle them gays, and, and in that moment, I was, like, frozen just completely frozen this man has no idea about my sexual orientation has no idea of anything about me and my heart is like racing and I'm like I'm clearly deer and the headlights I don't know what to say but the only thing that I can kind of get out in the moment is just like oh haha we don't talk politics here like I get enough of that at home like whatever you just kind of laugh it off but and um, I mean, being a tech, I don't I'm not necessarily in a position of power where I can kind of, you know, say like I'm I'm not gonna preach to the man at this moment. So the most I can do is just shut it down. Um but you kind of have to get to that point where you sort of like do a Jimmy Neutron like cost benefits analysis in the moment where you're like, you're like, oh my God, should I say something? Should I not? But you have to consider this is one out of like a hundred patients. Do you really need to rely on this one patient for your productivity hours and your revenue? No. So should I just go ahead and say something and just maybe lose this patient? one 100% yes. I think you should always back up your beliefs if the patient says something so outwardly discriminatory and so outwardly just, makes it a very exclusive feeling environment because I think you should always foster the inclusivity before you even consider like your own money or anything in that situation so I know for me in that moment I didn't know what to do that was about what four years ago at this point and I think especially being in our program I've kind of learned to go ahead and stand up for myself in that moment and say like hey that's not something we say here that's not cool Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's a rough moment.
2: No, I appreciate And thank you for sharing. Um, I too went through that uh, as a tech and also being the only black um, person working in my clinic, uh, especially around the 2016 election. I can remember countless people coming in with MAGA hats, making very off the wall comments and, you know, me sitting there doing ultrasounds, just having to bite my tongue because I'm like, I don't feel comfortable going to my boss because he's a white man. Like what is he going to tell me to say? Like, he's probably going to be like, you know, ignore it, just deal with the other patients. So, so I definitely feel you on that. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I wish going back, I had just said something um, cause I would have felt much better about myself and my sanity than sitting through that for the countless hours and days that it was going on. So um, thank you for that. I'll jump to Derek.
4: Um, So I don't, I don't really have, any stories about outright discrimination but i do have some comments about this topic um i was fortunate enough to work for a company um that was that was a subsidiary of one of the largest like uh financial institutions in the world so they had a great um workplace policy they had workshops all the time they were very inclusive like the entire environment was very welcoming um, unfortunately for me, I was not out at work. <laughs> so I created a lot of my own stress in an environment that was actually very inclusive, but at the time I just wasn't comfortable. Um, upon getting into grad school, I wanted to change that. So I'm out here. Um, but now comes the worry of what do I do when I enter into the workforce? Do I stay out? Do I continue, you know, being who I am and how I'm comfortable and happy? And how do I judge that? Because I am going to need a place to work, <laughs> right? And so you have all these other additional worries. Um, so a lot to think about. But moving on, um, I'm going to say a couple things here. I don't think it's going to be a very popular opinion. Um, ultimately, I agree with Sam. If it's outright discriminatory, respect yourself. Um, I think it's very important that there are situations in which you do stand up for yourself and what you do make it known, like, Hey, this, is, this isn't the time and place. Um, and knowing where you're working at, uh, knowing who you're working for, is it a place that is going to have your back? Ultimately, are they going to stand up for you Is are you going to be comfortable in that workplace? Cause if not, you're going to be unhappy and eventually you're either going to end up leaving or you're just going to be miserable in that place that you're working at. Um, but that being said, the part that I don't think is going to be super popular is if it's maybe not crazy, if it's not like crazy, disrespectful, um, I guess being able to read the room. So if you're in an environment and maybe someone makes a kind of offhanded comment, um, understanding your provider patient relationship right? What are you there to do? So I think at times you kind of have to navigate knowing, Hey, maybe this isn't the right place and time to speak about my sexuality. Like if, if it doesn't need to come up, um, do I have to force that topic into, into this environment? You know, like, do I need, do I have to feel the need to do that? Do, um, is it their business kind of thing? Sometimes you don't, need to enter into that like for me personally I can control that Um, and maybe I don't want that added pressure or stress Um, and again if it's somebody that's bringing up one of these topics like I don't necessarily think that if like my patient's going to be uncomfortable I don't need to bring it up because they shouldn't have to bear the weight of that and neither do I why do I want to bring this added stress and added pressure to myself if my goal here is to help the patient, and they're there ultimately to see me for you know whatever it is, then I can still be a professional and do that part of it. But again, I'm still gonna go back with Sam, and if it's outright disrespectful, then then no, I have to respect myself first, and eventually you have to put your foot down, um, because I don't want to work in a workplace where I'm going to be disrespected. Like that's that's just not how I want to move forward. Um, it's just a lot to think about, but. Anyway, um, we can go ahead and move it along because I don't really have any crazy experience uh, regarding this topic. But um, I think it's also important to know that our own power that we will, you know, like um, understanding, you know, I can still, yeah, am I comfortable moving on and, and treating this patient without having to, to, um, to burn the whole house down, I guess.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that, Derek. And I appreciate your opinion as well. Um, it's a daily battle. Um, picking your battles is you know, a slippery slope sometimes because you know you don't want to give that you know certain people leeway because they'll just run with things. and other times, you know, you don't want to pick a battle to where they become defensive and nothing gets through. So Absolutely. I definitely understand both of those uh, situations. and going back to like what Sam said um, earlier, like someone could be completely against me, but if you know I'm coming to them, I want to get the same care as if I wasn't that person that they despise. So as long as the you know, battery picking doesn't interrupt the patient care, which is what we're going to be doing, then yes, yeah, sometimes you have to make that, you know, brain blast decision, like Sam was saying, and, you know, go through like, all right, if I bring this up, is it going to ruin my plans? Are they going to actually get less care because of it? Or if I bring it up, will we have a, you know, actual meaningful discussion to where we can move forward and better in this, you know, dynamic? So I appreciate that answer a lot. Um, Rachel, if you don't mind jumping in.
5: Oh man. Yeah. This is, this is a lot, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess uh, a big thing for me and what I've been through with grad school and being in the clinic um, is as someone who is non-binary, um, this the con- constant misgendering, just constant all the time, everywhere. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like a daily part of my existence. You know, it's, 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 It's not like, oh, there's these like big, um, you know, I haven't had a lot of like, fortunately, I haven't had a lot of like these like big discriminatory moments uh, or something like that. But it's a constant thing. And it's those microaggressions that like build up um, and just annihilate your mental health. Um, (laughs) And so I I will say one thing, you know, in our program, I so I came out mid program um, as non-binary. And so when I entered the program, um, I used she, her pronouns. I presented much more feminine. Um, And then, you know, like halfway through, started to, you know, transition to using they, them pronouns um, and came out as non-binary. And there was no space to talk about that. There was no support of like, there. literally, no one even bothered asking, you know? So there wasn't a, a, a time when I could like tell professors that like, hey, I use they, them pronouns now. And so you constantly using she, her pronouns does me a lot of harm um and so not having that space it, it really sucked and um it's it's still it still continues obviously in the clinic um and something else you know i throughout my time like i was involved in advocacy within our school trying to push for um more inclusion of lgbtq plus education into curriculums um and so going into those spaces, like trying to advocate for myself and my community, uh, this people don't know how to handle this stuff. They there's just a lot of like, a lot of um, dismissal, a lot of like, oh well, you know, people get so uncomfortable talking about it. They just get so uncomfortable. They're like, I don't know how to handle this, so I'm gonna freak out, and you're gonna have to deal with it. You know, I distinctly remember like there was one time I was in a meeting. Um, I won't name anybody, but you know, I was in a meeting with the professor, like talking about um, hey, we should include pronouns into our curriculum. Um and um at this time I had started um so I my whole email signature is a is a minefield because you know I believe in putting pronouns on an email signature. Um but at the time I put both she, her, and they them pronouns because there were some people I was out as using they, them pronouns only and other people who I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna let you assume whatever and I'm not gonna start that battle. Um, And then so I go into this meeting with this person talking about like, hey, this is my lived experience. Um, You should start asking students about their pronouns because I went through a lot of harm um, not being able to talk about that. Um, And then this person used incorrect pronouns for me and I, I corrected them, you know, being like, oh, actually I use they them pronouns, not she her pronouns. And they just flipped out. They were like, what? But your email signature says this and you should really change that. And like, why? Like, you, this isn't correct. You should change that. It's like, okay, I just corrected you and you're getting really uh, defensive, you know, um, and trying to like put it on me of like, it's the, it's my fault, even though now I've corrected you and you should be doing this going forward. Um, and I think the whole the whole effort of like, how, you know, systems don't like to change. Systems don't like to be told they're doing something wrong. So I, I literally like for two years that I've been here, I've been trying to get somebody to listen about, Hey, maybe just ask students about their pronouns and like the constant, Oh, we'll defer. We'll, we'll push this meeting. It'll be on the next month's agenda. Like it'll be on next month's agenda. And it's like, the amount of people I would like email being like, listen, you are doing harm to me and likely other students who are to come who are trans or non-binary. And I'm just trying to get you to take your own foot out of your mouth, you know? Like, And it's just the constant like uphill battle of like, you have to work so hard just to get anybody to listen. And then as soon as they listen, they like wrap you up in bureaucracy, like not actually doing anything. Um yeah, so that's that adventure. I will say I also had another fun time, um, I think this was in my second year, uh, where our school um, was drafting a new non-discrimination policy um, and managed to delete uh, sexual orientation um, from that non-discrimination policy. Uh, and so released a statement where sexual orientation was no longer a protected uh, you know, category at our school um and so i was president of the lgbtq club at the time and so i very quickly had to like with my other officers and a few other people had to like draft a letter calling that out um and then received like no response uh it was like the day before pride weekend too so the timing of it was just like off the charts awful uh and so uh, receive like no response like uh, no plan as to how we're gonna fix it like me and my co-president at the time had to like literally storm the office of our school's president uh, basically just like show up being like hey we're gonna talk about this now um, yeah yeah and so just it's, it's insane it's insane the amount of work just to get anybody to listen and like that that trauma of like You know, like, people treat it like, oh, we're just talking about, you know, ideas and politics. And it's like, I'm here trying to, like, get you to acknowledge me as a human being and get you to, like, show me an ounce of respect as a human being. And so the amount of, like, effort and the amount of, like, emotional trauma that goes through of me just even having to have this conversation with you is just insane. It's insane. So I think that that cumulatively has been a lot for my grad school experience
3: i appreciate you rachel i appreciate everything you're doing thank you we went through this and then sam and i were actually in like that first meeting and we were like oof we came in here the wrong time
5: I remember that. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Like, that was like our first meeting. Like, y'all had just started on campus, and like, it was like the first week of like a new cohort, the week before Pride, and they managed to delete sexual orientation. I was like, what a way to welcome students to campus, you know? Like, oh hey, by the way, we forgot you existed. And their whole defense of it was like, oh, it was a clerical error, you know? It was nothing it's like oh we're sorry it was just a mere clerical error this is no problem and like our whole point arguing was like don't you see the problem where nobody picked up the fact that you deleted sexual orientation like clearly y'all need to get some different voices in these administrative spaces if not a single person noticed that when you sent this out there was a big thing missing and they also not only did they um forget sexual orientation, but they misuse the term sex and gender. So it's like, y'all didn't even do your basic homework to understand how to support the LGBTQ plus students on campus. And they were like, oh, it's a clerical error. This isn't a bigger issue. Um, and I was like, I had to, I had to like give to the, again, like, I don't know, hopefully this president doesn't listen to this podcast, so, cause I don't know what bur- bridges I'll burn with this, but, um, I uh, I had to explain to the president of our school the difference between sex and gender. Um, I gave my little five minute lecture on the difference of these things, which I've had to explain to many people at this point. Um, we like showed her a little info info video, YouTube video, like explaining basic LGBTQ terminology, and she was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing! I didn't know this. This is so educational." And I was like. Okay, so clearly you and the rest of the administration need to get some basic 101 training because you don't even know <laughs> the difference between these two terms. And that is hugely important when you are crafting legal policy that is going to affect your students. And, she, and, and they were like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not, it's not an issue. This is not This is not a problem. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is a clerical error. And I was like, you just admitted you did not know the meaning of these words. And you're going to say that's a clerical error, not a knowledge and education error. So yeah, that was that was a shit show.
4: <laughs> Yikes. Thank you for all of that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even really know or understand half of the stuff that was going on, but thank you for uh for spearheading it. Seriously. Um paves the way for the the rest of us people like me who, you know, are maybe not as entrenched in it, but it definitely affects, right? And it affects the people that come after us. So thank you. Yeah. um, I can't
2: even speak on the stresses you probably went through. I mean, I'm going through my own this year with all the types of inclusive things they're trying to do and the terrible way they're going about getting student interaction and involvement because it's, it's sad and quite, I don't know, I don't want to say insulting but the way it's being handled sometimes I'm just like I, I don't even want to help anymore. But uh yeah, thank you for everything you're doing. Um I appreciate that. I mentioned that orientation week. I was like, wow Rachel was like one of my favorite presenters at that whole meeting. And like we didn't talk about it at all after. But yeah, I, I appreciate everything you've been doing. <laughs> so um last but not least, Josh, I'll let you hop on.
3: Oh, thanks. Um, I just want to <laughs> add this in case like people are listening to this that need to hear this, but um, we're kind of laughing about it now, like how we're like, oh, I can't believe she didn't know the two different, the different uh, definitions of it and whatnot. Um, but I just want to say it's okay to like, not know and grow from it. That's what we're all trying to do. But where we're laughing at <laughs> is that if you have so much power and so much responsibility behind you, it should be part of your responsibility to understand and to know this. So we're not really laughing at the fact that she didn't know and that she was growing. That's all great, that's all we want. But if you are in a position of power, this is part of the requirement. Okay, now that <laughs> that's gone. Uh, the question uh, about discrimination or fling or disrespect. Mm, not really disrespect. I mean, I, I'm fortunate and grateful enough to not, to not uh, recollect any of those instances if they happened to me or I just didn't understand if it was happening to you but I remember as an aide in a PT clinic um, some older uh, female patients would request me to do their ultrasound and and to do like other things with them just because all the other aides were like these big buff bros and then I was clearly the only like um, getting one there and so <laughs> that is some sort of discrimination i'm happy to do that that's fine by me but i guess it it wasn't really disrespectful so i guess i just want to shed light onto the other side of the spectrum but again i don't think it weighs as heavy as the crazy discrimination stories that other people face so i just thought it was funny
2: it's still something i mean um you never know like what you'll experience because you know people have their own i'm not going to say unfiltered but Implicit bias that they'll put onto you, and you have to deal with. So, um, everyone's story is going to be different. It's just you know how everyone deals with it is also different. So, I'm I'm glad we were able to hear all these stories, and I appreciate everyone for sharing um, so much insightful things. So, uh, I will kick this back over to Mang for the next
1: question. So, this is our this is our last one, kind of your last piece of parting wisdom um, for this question. Um, what would you say to other students? Or professionals in the healthcare field to help them feel more comfortable identif- identifying in that LGBTQ plus community?
6: Yeah, I think maybe the issue that Josh is having is we're all still struggling with this question ourselves. Um, I mean, I I guess if you've been listening to the entire podcast, you've picked up a theme of like, do we reveal this about us or not when we go into our jobs, like when we start applying? So um i think the reason is this is we're still trying to figure this one out too um i'm not sure how completely comfortable i am identifying with it um cuz like we said we we need a job we we don't have the luxury of being picky right now um so if we say something like that we know we're in fear of potentially not getting a job um so yeah this one's tough
1: so i'll change it then let's let's say the fear is gone you have no fear what would you say to another healthcare professional i know i know it's there it's always going to be there but pretend it's gone for this moment for this question
6: if you okay so yes so if you find yourself applying to clinics where rachel has said you've done your homework and you see that they have these non-discriminatory policies in place um then by all means like you would obviously have the support of your clinic to go ahead and come out and I honestly believe you're going to give the best services to your patients if you truly accept and love yourself first. Because if you can fulfill yourself first, you have more to give to your patients in the long run. So in that sense, it is beneficial to go ahead and accept yourself and be out um, so that your patients can also benefit from this aspect of you having this fulfilled life and this very... Um, just more confidence in what you do as a PT in general, having more confidence in who you are makes you more confident in the PT that you are. So the patient's going to get better services. So if you can, then yeah, I say go for it, come out.
1: that's just going to come with, with comfort and and getting just more time to understand who you are and what you can bring to the table. It's not something that's going to happen immediately, but if we're pretending fear is out the question, then, then yes, it makes it a little easier um Rachel
5: yeah um this is a this is a tough question to answer um but i think what i'll say is what i wish someone would say to me um is that you being your true authentic self is important you know i think as we've touched on it's kind of seen as a negative it's kind of seen as like a liability and something that you have to make up for but that's not true you know um being queer and being out about it, it's a, it's a benefit, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not, I don't say that to say like, oh, if you're queer, you should be out wherever you are. Cause as we talked about, that's not what's good for some people in all places. Um, but it matters. And like, so you being able to have the safety and the freedom to be your authentic self makes you a better care provider. Um, and you know, like I think, and I think having visibly out providers is also important for our queer patients. Um, it makes you feel more safe, it makes you feel more seen.
1: Yeah, once you see someone like you in the profession or in a career, it makes it easier to to try and go after that because now you're not trying to do it all by yourself. You have someone you can, you can go to for help, and they'd be, of course, be willing to help you because they've gone through the same thing and probably don't want what happened to them to go to happen to you. So I, I appreciate that answer, um, Derek. Uh, yeah, just like everybody else, I struggle with this
4: uh, <laughs> with this question as well. Um, it is tough. I I relate to Sam quite a bit, and you know, I I didn't start figuring myself out until you know my latter half of undergrad, um, and then like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't out in my first job, and I worked there for six years, and then I guess in moving forward, I don't necessarily want to repeat that because I wasn't happy. Um, but I can tow that line. I can tow that line of, Hey, I'm gay. And Hey, I'm totally non assuming. Uh, I'm fortunate enough in a sense to be able to do that because some people can't, and I don't mean to say fortunate in that way to, for it to sound off. It's just some people, I guess, have to deal with the stress of it a bit more than, than I do. Um, and so I'm, I'm privileged in that way. Um, so I guess for the people, like me, that toe that line, like me, um, who are fearful of being out in a workspace or whatever it is, uh, do your best at knowing your environment. Do your best at creating a foundation, surrounding yourself with people who, um, who you believe will be supportive of you and, and what you're doing. Um, Ultimately, I believe it's the best to be yourself. I want to be my true authentic self in my workplace. Um, That is a goal. It shouldn't be something that I have to worry about. Unfortunately, it's something that I do have to worry about. But I work with what I have, so I'm going to try and accomplish that. But for people um, who are trying to sort through this question, whether you tell the line like me or you don't, know that you are loved. Know that you matter. Know that you're important and do the best that you can do to be happy do you know do everything you can to to make yourself happy um and so that's i guess that's my kind of words of wisdom for for people who are in our community is that aspect um yeah
1: you're loved appreciate that so that's something i think that is easy to forget something so simple but it's definitely necessary to hear all the time so josh i'm gonna throw it back to you to round us up yeah. for sure
3: i like what everyone else said because that's some of the thoughts that i had in my mind and you guys expressed it very eloquently um but one of the things i wanted to add was that there's this like misconception that coming out is a one-time thing coming out is a continual thing throughout your whole life yeah you might say like yeah i came out in high school but like that was just like the initial one for you and the whole sentiment to you but coming out is, like I said, it's a continual thing for different environments, for different social settings, for different people, um, and so I just want people to keep that in mind, too, when you're thinking about topics like this, um, because me coming out now is a different coming out when I was, like, in high school, and, like, if it was a different coming out when I came out to my parents versus my
1: friends versus my coworkers now, like, it all means differently. Absolutely, and it's kind of like what we were saying, um, and in the beginning, like, you can't, like you have to understand the person who's in front of you right now you can't assume the person that you're talking to like you got to get to know them right now where they're at um but that's really can, all can i
4: can i touch on that real quick before before we before we uh wrap up um coming out the the hard part about always coming out and having that conversation no matter if it's a patient or a coworker, or a friend whatever it is um also understand that sometimes it's exhausting and it takes the normalcy out of who we are, right? Because if we continually have to do this and we continually have to bear the weight of that, it's like, then we're not really making progress. So reaching out and maybe someone's asking the question, like, you know, are, are you seeing anyone? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girl? Whatever it is. If you know, we make the correction and Hey, actually, you know, my partner, my significant other is so-and-so. This is creating that conversation of normalcy, you know, and maybe making the conversation a bit more inclusive so that we're not always coming out and always being faced with that kind of burden because we do want to create the atmosphere of normalcy. So I, I thought that that was an important part to highlight. Sorry, I didn't mean to to run this much longer. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I appreciate, appreciate the
1: words there. Um, and we know these were, like, tough questions to answer. And we appreciate each and every one of you guys for taking the time to be vulnerable and, and have a discussion with us because we know this isn't going to be a one-time discussion and it has to start somewhere. So we were, we're very grateful to be able to know you guys and to be able to have this conversation today. So I'm going to throw this to AJ and Damien also.
0: Yeah, no lie. Like, I learned so much in, like, this episode. Like, this is going to be a great resource for both those who are in the lgbtq uh, community and those who are not and i just want to thank each and every one of you guys for your perspective today and just being so uh candid with your responses and being open so thank you so much
2: yeah i just want to um say i learned a lot during this episode um, more than i thought i would um i was very appreciative of this episode and you can ask um and damian like i was very adamant about doing one of these because as an ally myself i want to be more open and helpful in any way that i can um especially as a future provider um so i just want to thank each of you for being so willing to come on and share rachel i haven't gotten a lot of experiences with you but i appreciate you for who you are and what you've been doing for um the community and just our school in general and to my classmates i love each of you guys uh thank you for coming on Um, can't wait to see you guys as pts but this was so inspiring so
1: i appreciate you guys wait before we go um are there ways to contact each of you um josh will start with you
3: contact me
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if people can reach out to you and ask ask questions
3: oh yeah i mean i guess you can give them my email or ig handle josh Minoza. Um, but that's about it if you see me you can ask me anything i'm an open book um, but yeah,
1: come reach out. Appreciate it, uh, Rachel.
5: Yeah, um, so I tried to set up like a professional Instagram handle too. Um, so I'm at uh, privdpt uh, at that's p r i v uh, d p t. Um, so yeah, just send me a message. It's a there's like nothing on that Instagram, but I do check it. So <laughs> if you have any questions, um, I'm happy. I have a ton of resources. I did my capstone project on um, LGBTQ plus education. Um, so I love talking about this topic. I love providing resources to people who want to know more about how to be a more inclusive healthcare healthcare provider. Um, and I'd be happy to share out that, uh, that pronoun, um, handout thing I mentioned. Uh, so just shoot me a message. Uh, love to talk to anybody.
4: I don't have a professional idea at all. Um, But IG seems to be the easiest form of communication because that's like the only social I check. So uh, D-R-O-C-K-I-N underscore. um, Yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm not all-knowing, but I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with anybody. So thanks. And Sam?
6: Yeah, yeah, no, I can be contacted too. Um, I'll keep going with Instagram. It is the easiest one. Um, So I'm at Sam underscore Y-A-R-B-R-O. Um, and you can message me, whatever, it doesn't matter, Um, but I do want to make one more um, note that even if you are straight and cis, you can still be a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, You can still contribute, be an advocate. Um, The only requirement, in my opinion, in the community is love, and as long as you have love, you are very welcome in our community. So I just wanted to make that very known that even if you are straight and cis, you do still play a big part.
5: Appreciate
1: that. I think that's a that's a good way to end, end the show and the pod today. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys for coming on again. And um, hopefully, you know, everyone, anyone listening takes notes, takes gems from this because they gave us a lot to think about. And hopefully they give, this competition gives you some things to think about as well, but you can catch us every Monday. Drop a new episode and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening and joining us. Please check us out on Instagram at the DPT Expedition and your favorite podcast streaming platform.
2: Keep tuning in and we will see you next time.